Come on. Ah, Welcome back to the only podcast produced by three two-time winners of IMSA Spirit of the Race Award. You're tuned in to the Check Engine Podcast. We're hosted on Anchor.fm, and we are streamed worldwide on all the platforms that you use to listen to your favorite podcasts. My name's Nick. Joining me as they do every week on the opposite ends of this line are both Andrew and Tristan. Guys, how we doing? How you guys been? Oh, man. It's it's depressing that now the intro has officially changed to not sitting next to not not across the table, uh, just on the end of a line on the far end of yeah, the other line, as they are every week. <laughs> Operator, as they are every week. <laughs> no, no sad songs. What is it? The last three? Is this four now? We've done this way. I think so. Yeah. I mean this this is the new normal. Don't 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 get me wrong. It's just kind of sad. Yeah, it is. Are you guys noticing like is there an activity that you guys notice you're doing much more of since like since we've been stuck at home like for instance. So what Claire and I have started doing is we're running through movie franchises, like movie collections. So we've done so like one a day until it's through. So we've done like Lord of the Rings. We've done Harry Potter. We've done Pirates of the Caribbean. Now we're on to like Star Wars. And we're just running through like everyone in order. Like, and and that's something we've never done. Like just had like movie night or movie date night every night. Like, are you guys noticing? Like, what are you guys doing that you didn't have time to before? Uh, Going outside for walks exactly like a good dog. Three times a day. You're getting walking. Andrew wants walkies getting walkies. I do. And that's what uh, I call him too. <laughs> which uh, it's good that the white dog is in the bedroom. Cause he can't hear that. Um, the black one's behind oh. me and she doesn't really know that word. <laughs> I was like, why would he possibly be referring to the dog that way? But now I get it. Cause I have two and they're different colors. <laughs> and also if you name it, it will come. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> it's right behind me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for as far as I've gone, I know it maybe might sound a little cheesy, but my my whole family has, you know, relatively good access to technology thanks to my dad's and my profession. Um, so we've been doing like family book reading where where there's actually three locations, myself in Wisconsin, my mom in Illinois and my sister in Georgia. And they're, we're all stuck here, um, not getting together for like Easter, for example. So we usually eat dinner and then right after, or even during, if you're not the group reading, someone is reading a book of some kind, um, out loud, which is nice. We get to see each other, see the pets, read a book for half an hour, 40 minutes. And it's a nice way to kind of catch up. And also making dinner, um, even if not from scratch, um, you know, even just from 
only partially pre-prepared ingredients. Um, a lot of grilling. As I told Andrew this <laughs> earlier today, I shouted at the sky and the rain went away and I was able to grill this evening, which was wonderful. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been out in the grill a lot too. Weather permitting. Oh, definitely, definitely. And the smokers getting more action tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, I think the reading thing sounds fun. No one ever lets me read to them, so. Well, you could. You should join us. Group FaceTime call. Pick a book. <laughs> I would do um, that. We just had a. I would actually do that. We just. We just had a uh, yesterday towards the end of the working day, like three thirty, four o'clock. We had a uh, virtual. Must be nice. A virtual team happy hour so like everyone got on zoom and it was the grid layout so it was like um like the brady bunch you could see everybody and we had um one of the one of the people on the call prepared um movie trivia so we had like a virtual movie trivia game Ah. so there's a lot of different creative ways to uh to stay in touch so the book reading thing is a cool one though that's a good idea I do like that. Actually, one thing. All right. So obviously everyone in the whole entire world is having nonstop video call meetings every week or every day. I think I had, you know, three or four last week, which is probably pretty low. But the one thing that's starting to drive me crazy. Well, yeah, (laughs) but but the one thing that's starting to drive me crazy in these meetings is that you see one area or one wall of the of everyone else's house. And now I just want virtual tours of everybody's house. <laughs> <laughs> just to take me around, walk the camera around. Yeah, uh, during this meeting, don't sit at your desk. Carry the laptop around with you. I want to see the rest of your house. So we no, did I want um, designated house tour time. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one call we were on a video call where like two or three people were running behind like another call they were on was running long or whatever. So as we were sitting there waiting, um, we did the, uh, what is the weirdest thing you have within 10 feet of you in the, like in the same room as you game. So that was pretty fun. Um, what was yours? Mine is that, well, right behind me so that the camera sees it. Like the way I'm set up at my kitchen table is that there's that picture I have on the wall by like my breakfast bar. And it's like a, um, it's like the zoom. It, it zoomed in on like the cookies. I don't know if you guys even noticed this when we were yes. recording a kitchen table. Yes. Yeah, I men mining for cookies. Yeah, the men, um, the construction workers breaking down the cookies with little mini jackhammers. So that shows up behind my left shoulder every every video call, and everybody is asking about it now, and they think I'm like the weirdest person ever because I have this picture. They need to know more people. Okay. Yeah. Wait, we need we, so we anyway, need to do this. All right, Tristan, what's yours? No, not anyways. This is now important. Tristan, what's the weirdest thing within 10 feet of you? This is the only thing that matters. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Uh, oh. well, let's see. Probably for a home space, not because I work IT, it wouldn't be abnormal at work, but for a home space, an absolutely inordinate number of monitor stands disassociated from their monitors. <laughs> you have a monitor stand. Okay. Gra- That's pretty weird. A monitor stand graveyard. Yeah. Cause they're all on arms now. Cause we're here forever. Okay. That's pretty good. Andrew. 
I have in my hand something I've never seen anywhere else before. An Intel Pentium 2 stuffed man. He's a little stuffed man in a bunny suit. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I have, an, I have a better one. I have a weirder. I just saw it. I have a weirder one. It's not technically mine, but it's within it's within ten feet of me. It's a painting <laughs> of Nicholas Cage of Nicholas Cage as a baby Japanese macaque being <laughs> being being held by his mother. You do not have that. I do. I will send it to you, and we can post it on Instagram. I swear to God, it's right. <laughs> it's it's right above my demotivational poster about ambition. Sometimes the journey of a thousand miles ends really, really badly, and it's a picture of a salmon in mid jump getting caught by a bear. <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. Something something that we need to look into, and we will move into actual content right after this. But can we? Does Anchor offer us the option to put different um, cover pictures on each episode? We should look into that official note i don't know i can check i don't not sure if it does or not but if it does i know what we're doing if it does. <laughs> tristan jot anyways tristan um, jot this down now let's get to the yeah. what, what we're actually here to talk about because this is a car podcast allegedly or not allegedly this is a alleged car podcast, car podcast. <laughs> so um we are all of us all week have been saying how jazzed we were about this episode because um, Andrew, I got to thank you for helping me dial this topic in because it's something I've been noodling around in my head for like over a year and I didn't know how to wrap myself around yeah, it. It was all you. So, so the general idea was like, people know now, obviously the past few years, like craft beer and independent brewers and independent distilleries has been like all the rage. And I was thinking like there are craft or independent car makers out there too like you think of someone like morgan over in the uk that builds their chassis out of wood or you think of well, and um, a good one too. someone it's like not just morgan it's no or someone like callaway who soups up gm products or lingenfelter that take spiker um or even like you think of the supercars like koenigsegg like the two million dollar cars like that's all they do they do that one thing they're not associated with a major brand and i was trying to think like could we how do we associate like craft cars with with craft beer and that didn't go over very well. So instead what we're going to do is um, the three of us are each going to pretend to be a coach or craft or boutique car builder. And we are going to present what one or two models that we would focus on as a craft car builder. And we are going to get into supreme detail on this. Like this is going to get as much as we could real deep. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody's creativity here. This is going to be this is going to be cool. But first, um, do we have any neat car news or pace laps or anything else to touch on quick before we hop into the to the meat of this? I think we've warmed Um, up pretty well. (laughs) Nope, let's just get to it. Well, everything else is also just sad. Oh, um, actually, there's this one thing. Does anybody care um, that manual transmissions are coming back to Mini Coopers in 2021? I mean, I when you say care, I could say, like, does it directly impact me? Probably not. But I do like, I like that fact. It doesn't mean anything, I guess, but I do like it. 
Yeah, the more manuals, the better. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to want to go out and buy a mini because of that, though. Same. All right. Right. <laughs> that's all the news. So, <laughs> that's all the news. So, folks, um, we're going to tr- put on our boutique car builder hats right after this break. All right, folks, we are back and we're about to get into tonight's main topic, which is um, presenting what we would build as boutique car makers. But before we do that, we'd like to remind you real quick how to get a hold of us if you do feel so inclined. So we have our very own website. It is checkenginepodcast.com. And there we have an email address associated with it. It is inbox at checkenginepodcast.com. We are also all over the socials. You can find us on Facebook searching check engine podcast andrew where can they find us on twitter at check engine pod <clears throat> you okay there bail yeah uh no almost almost died but made it at check engine pod <laughs> on twitter <laughs> he's here <laughs> he made it. all right there it is tristan where are we on instagram uh also at check engine pod so- i'm okay Good, good to hear. So, as you can <laughs> no major tell, malfunctions. We are <laughs> so as you can tell, we're all over socials. So be sure to like, follow, share, post, direct message, reach out how and when you can. You can ask us questions to answer on the air. You can let us know what topics you like and you don't like. You can give us ideas for topics for episodes. Um, just reach out. We want to talk with you here. So thank you in advance. Now to get back to the show, we are building our own coach build cars and this is going to be really cool who wants to kick us off i think i think you should start nick your idea that's my idea yeah all right so i'll get yeah i'll get this going so um this is i i had a bunch of different options right off the bat like what did i want to build there's a bunch of things that i wanted to build and then i started thinking about um things that we have brought up a lot on the, on the, on the cast, like things that we have wished for, you know, whether it be any one of the three of us. And there seemed to be a common theme that I noticed. And then also that common theme is also kind of practical and affordable. So this isn't like, I'm going to build a $4 million, 300 mile per hour car. Like this is going to be something that's a little more Hmm. practical, a little more, a little more accessible, but still super fun. So what I went about doing is creating the I'll just say it this way the ultimate hatchback the ultimate hot hatch oh, my co- hey that's the risky run by letting me lead off Andrew <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was so I was so positive that you were making a Corvette C7 I was so positive Honestly, that was my honorable mention. That was my close second. But I decided it'd be too cliche because I've been beating down that door for the last like month with every chance I got. So I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna step away from that for for just one episode at least. Well, at least I know I'm safe now from both of you. Good. So Andrew, yeah. I guess we can compare our hot hatches, but fine. That's what we'll um, do. So what I, what I was looking at like a, a baseline or a starting point. Um, I thought, was there a, 
a body style or a design language that maybe isn't being made anymore that has been discontinued that I really liked that I could use as like the mold, like kind of the frame to build this thing around. And this is something, I don't know if you guys know this, but kind of a guilty pleasure of mine was the, uh, as far as just the design of it, the looks was the Scion TC. Remember that thing? I did not know that about you actually. So I really like the fact I, I loved the way I, I just love the way the design looked. And I love that the, even though it is a hatchback, it looked like it had like a little mini trunk. Like there was just a little lip that poked out the back. Um, so it was just unique, even in the world of hatches. So I thought, okay, that was discontinued in 2016, 2017 ish. So like the 2017 model year isn't too old, isn't too outdated. It's still pretty relevant. That is going to be my shell, and that is going to be my frame that I'm going to build my hot hatch around. So you could probably buy the tooling um, from from Toyota too. That's probably. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like when we mentioned Andrew before Tristan hopped on, how like this could be feasible. Someone could buy the tooling from Toyota and do this. <laughs> like, I mean, so, yeah, they probably could. So let's just real quick. Let's just go over what. At the time of being discontinued, some quick specs and features of what the Scion TC had, right? So it was um, it was available manual or auto. It was a front-wheel drive, 180 horsepower, 2.5-liter, four-cylinder. Um, it did have keyless entry. It had a 7-inch touchscreen on the dashboard. It was Bluetooth and um, voice control capable. So a lot of those things were pretty cool. Like, a lot of those things are pretty nice. What it didn't have was a great interior. It was shit. Um the, the driver's seat was manual adjustments. Like, that kind of stuff would need to change. So, um, how are we going to upgrade this then? Starting, again, with the TC body and Toyota frame. Um, obviously, we're going to update the interior. It's not going to be plastic. You know, we're going to add combination of leather, maybe with micro suede inserts. And you'll see why I'm doing that in a little bit. Um we got to do, we got to do power to both seats. There's not just going to be manual seat adjustments. We end with, <laughs> with, with memory. So you can, you know, have a setting and just hit like one or two or whatever it is. And that'll automatically adjust. Um, obviously we're going to bring in Apple CarPlay, Android or Android auto. We've got the seven inch monitor. Let's put a backup camera in it. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, and then because this is, a Toyota product, I'm bringing in anything TRD that fits to the chassis and frame, not drivetrain related. And I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm going to use the TRD lowering springs and TRD sway bar, the TRD um, braking system, the TRD 10 spoke or seven spoke rims. There's two different types of rims that my customers will have to choose from. Um, we're going to obviously add all-wheel drive to it. There's going to be an all-wheel drive car. And I found these little side skirts that someone made like one-off. They look like little mini splitters and running boards. They're like 150 bucks, like a third party. We're going to offer those as well, standard, because the thing looks awesome. With a, Once it's lowered, you got the splitter. It looks really, really racy. So... Toyota TRD stuff all the way through. I mentioned it's going to be all-wheel drive. So this car, as it sits, um, 
the trim levels are going to go are going to change by the type of engine that we put in it. So, for my lower tier, my 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 option 1 trim, I haven't named this by the way. I haven't named any of the trims. I haven't named the car. Um the first engine I'm going to put in for the lower trim is going to be the 1.6 liter turbo 4 hybrid that can be found in the upcoming Kia Sorento. It's got 227 combined horsepower. 60 of that comes from the battery. Okay. Um, we move up to the second tier. And now I'm going to use the two and a half liter Subaru boxer engine. And it's going to be the GT spec. It's a flat four turbo, 265 horsepower. And then finally, my third option, my third tier, is going to be the two and a half, same engine, but in the STI spec, which pushes out 305 horsepower. So at the top end, you can have a 305 horsepower hot hatchback if you so choose. This is going to be a coach build. I'm not going to offer like any standard colors. So um, if you want it lime green, if you want it, you know, highlighter yellow, if you want it purple, if you want it orange, <laughs> whatever. I like highlighter yellow. <laughs> that would be hard. Yeah. That'd be hard. To, that'd be hard to see actually, but it'd be funny. Well, you know, like from the IMSA races, like the Volt Racing Car. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. that color. So or if, or if you just, or if you just want standard black or silver, whatever you want, I'll 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 paint it for you. It's fine. Just tell me what you want. Give me the swatch, and I'll match it. Um, so the interior, though, the leather you can choose is going to be black. It's going to be gray, or it's going to be beige. But the the inserts and the stitching in the seats and the seat belts are going to be made to match your exterior color. So you want that highlighter yellow, maybe black leather interior with that highlighter yellow stitching, seat belts, and inserts in the seats, for instance. Mm-hmm. So I think using the looks from the Scion TC lowered with some racy um, splitter and side skirt bits. The TRD lowering spring sway bar brake system, all-wheel drive, turbocharged engine, a hybrid option. I've got a solid, solid coach-built hot hatch for people to enjoy. Hmm, that's fair. Did did you also notice that uh, TRD? put out a supercharger for the original base engine for the TC? Um, they did, but I wanted to update the drivetrain for something that's easily to fit into an all-wheel drive system. So the Sorento is all-wheel drive. The Subarus are all-wheel drive. So um, I just wanted to make it as close to plug-and-play as possible because I was trying to think of actually, like, if I'm actually building this, keep the cost down type of thing. So... I knew about the supercharger. I decided to go with different sourcing for the powertrain. So body and chassis brakes everything from TR from Toyota. And then we'll source elsewhere for the engine and, and transmission. So um, each one of these also, each one of these options can come in manual or auto. Um, if you want an auto, I would obviously lean towards a manual version, but um, that's just me. That's interesting. I like, I like that. I like getting the tooling from a recently discontinued car that never occurred to me. Yeah, me neither. Well, <laughs> I've got others that are, that are like 
existing as a like a a design that I kind of want to use as like a a way to better envision it basically, but not not actually like go get the tooling. Well, that's okay too because there are people out there. There are these coach builders who like Shelby for instance, they just take Mustangs and outfit them. So like people do that. Yeah. And then I just thought of going, you know, recently discontinued. I looked at the Saturn Sky also as like a roadster maybe. Um, so I was going to ah, offer yes. maybe a second, like a second model. But I thought, let's just focus on the hatch at first. Let's just get that. And then, you know, phase two, we'll, we'll do a, maybe a roadster or something like that. <laughs> oh man, such a cool, such a cool idea based off of what you just brought here. Imagine if someone had come in and said they were going to get the tooling from the Holdens, like the Malou and whatever their V8 car was. Oh man. Com- Com- the Commodore, Commodore, of course, the Commodore. That was one oh, of my options. That would have been such a good idea. I was looking oh, at Holden. That's such a good I was idea. looking at the Scion. I was looking at, um, yes, the C7, because it's discontinued. I was looking at um, you know. the Saturn Sky, you know, all of that. Like, I had like three or four, but the whole thing was like, what was recently discontinued that like they haven't destroyed all of the tooling for? Like, it could just be like a, that's a really almost good a idea. turnkey manufacturing plant. <laughs> and I could make my own like badge that. and no like name and brand it how I, how I wanted it to. But um, yeah, that's mine. It's based on a Scion TC and it's just souped up. That's a good idea. Oh, man. Well, I'll go right into mine then. So for mine, I was thinking of, well, where the idea started, right? The craft brewery, which is at its yes. core, a higher quality, small batch version of whatever it is at the main market for the, you know, which would supposedly be for the discerning customer, whoever that might be. Sure, of know. course. Never met one. Correct. A gentleman of taste. Yeah, uh, a gentleman of taste. <laughs> so I <laughs> Who are thought, they? I literally have no idea. So I thought, why don't we, why don't we take that idea and combine it with what's happening in the world right now. If you look at the compact SUV, that's a pretty big market, but it's also really boring. It's really empty. My next thought was, okay, Mm -hmm. if you look at the reality of a compact SUV, or I mean, the difficulty is compact SUVs are usually built on subcompact cars, but you get what I'm saying. It would technically be a mid-sized small SUV and a compact car. They're the same. The only thing that changed, they're made in the same production line at the same time. They come out uh, as their equivalent cars. And the only difference is the bodywork. So why are none of these smaller companies leveraging the cash cow of the SUV to build that alongside their car and hopefully point the brand in the direction that they want to go using that extra money. Cause you can upsell the SUV for five or seven or even $10,000 more just because you have a little lift kit on it. Yep. Right. So that's where I started. And I thought, okay, you know, my favorite kind of car, what if it was a hatchback and an SUV? Ooh. So, um, they would be built on the same chassis using the same engine, the same transmission and have as many other shared parts as possible. So seating and, you know, all the electronics would obviously be the same 
um, you would probably want to point the SUV more towards luxury, quote unquote, and the hatchback more towards like the raw speed. People people at a certain point will pay for you to remove things from their hot hatch, which is neat. Yeah, sporty yeah. desks. Yeah, this is good. I like where so this what is I, going. What I, with the concept, I thought, okay, blank slate. If you were to cast your mind around the actual automotive world, what parts could you realistically acquire to make this happen? What individual pieces could you buy and put together? Mm -hmm. And of course, as in all things, the answer starts in China. (laughs) Yep. So... Um, it's kind of interesting. A a while ago, I think I may even have talked about it on the podcast. I stumbled upon a SUV that was supposedly like the first ever, uh, SUV made in Ghana in Africa. And I saw pictures of it and I was like, yeah, I saw pictures of it and I was like, holy shit. That's like, and that's like a whole car. Like that's, that's a. A, a, a actual car, like sheet metal engines. They were showing whole assemblies of V6s and V8s being made in, in like a back lot in Africa, which is incredibly impressive. But the, you know, as horrible as this may sound, that's like very complicated manufacturing for an area that's not known to have the infrastructure to support it. So right. looking into it more, Kantanka is far from the only manufacturer to use something called knockdown kits. And if you go Mm. to Alibaba right now and look up knockdown kits, you can buy anything from a wheel to a whole ass car shipped to you in order for you to weld it together. Damn, really? So I thought, all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Knockdown kits. Yep. Um, So I thought, all right, that's a good place to start. Yeah, Alibaba. You can or or you can literally just buy the factory space and they will produce the car. It's so the stuff on that website is so bizarre. <laughs> but anyways, that's my starting place. I thought, all right, if I'm really going to do this, then let's find parts that are as realistic as possible for manufacturers that offer something like this. And that's when I stumbled upon a company called Cherry or Shiri. I'm not really sure. C-H-E-R-Y, a Chinese car company that makes a car called the Quaros 3. Now, this car, the Quaros 3, comes in various flavors. There's a hatchback, there's an SUV, and there's a sedan. But most critically, this is the first car to ever be made in mainland China to get a five-star safety rating in the Euro NCAP. So the chassis itself... Is, is quite solid. And there are other manufacturers now that are accomplishing the same thing, like Sangyong out of South Korea, SAIC and um, Dongfang out of China as well. They, they now have these multiple-use chassis uh, that score well, which is a great accomplishment because it didn't used to be that way. They used to get shipped to Europe and they would get like three stars. <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, if that, if you're lucky. Yeah. So... I, so there's a quality there. And um, while there aren't necessarily knockdown kits for these specific models, uh, a lot of these companies offer knockdown kits. So I'm thinking you could probably 
make a deal with one of these companies to get these chassis, just, you know, just the bare bones chassis. Um, you know, the ideal for something like this would be to get a piece of that MQB pie. Uh, but I, I feel like that might not happen. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little tough. I don't think we, I don't think VW is given that. However, so we have the chassis, we have the base for our two cars. The next part was actually the easiest one to find. If you have this nice chassis, you must stuff a very nice transmission in it. And like I said, there's only one choice. It has to be the ZF 8DT. So that's the double clutch eight speed ZF transmission. The one that was co-developed with Porsche. It's eight speed. Okay. Eight speed. So it's hybrid capable. What? That's what? Uh, yeah, that's that's it. That, that's it. That's the option. Definitely. Hybrid capable, all wheel drive uh, related to the I think it was the 918 and allegedly the C8. You really can't do better. And off the shelf. So looking at looking at the off the shelf cost of the seven was around four thousand dollars. So I'm thinking this one would probably be a little more, let's say six thousand. It's been out for three or four years. Most of the kinks have been worked out. And it's the upgrade from the from the seven, which is causing all the problems in the Fiat's and um, Jeep, especially. Um, I would I think I would want it to be all wheel drive. And the tricky part is finding an all wheel drive system that works with that transmission, because while it is broadly capable to get it to work with the 8DT, the ZF transmission, it has to be a center diff. So it has to be something like Mitsubishi's all AWC system. And I'm wondering if you could get a piece of that AWC or develop something very similar to it to do your front wheel drive. I mean, then not only are you bringing in a hot hatch, you're also edging in on that uh, Evo territory that I miss so very, very much. (laughs) which would be fantastic. So the next piece is actually one that I, I thought for sure Nick was going to go for this. And of course now we're at the engine. So we have, we have the transmission, we have the drive line. Now we got to put something in it. And I can't believe he didn't say this, but there's an engine on the market right now. That is allegedly one of the best made. It is a four cylinder. It is a turbo. Honda sells the K20C1 out of the Type R as a crate motor. They just sell it. You can just go buy it. The 306 horsepower, 300 foot pounds of torque. You just go buy that for like six and a half grand. It's not even that expensive. (laughs) I mean, really? Yeah, yeah. I can't think of a better engine to put in a hot hatch. I mean, I think I think the ideal situation would be to get the engine and detune it because you don't want to go with that fight against the Honda right away. You don't you don't want that comparison. You don't want anyone to make it. So maybe if you get something a little more relaxed, something around the Accord tuning, which is 252, 275, maybe make it like an even yeah. 280 across the board. I think I think that's probably what you want because, you know, Honda probably doesn't want the hot hatch competition, but also you can relax the engine and hopefully get a little better reliability out of it. Sure. My, my initial thought was to go for, um, Hyundai engines because 
a generation of engines ago, Hyundai started offering their 2.0 and 3.8 engines, the ones that were in the Genesis, their racing engines, as crates. However, they haven't caught up to offer their current racing engine, which is the 2.0 out of the N, as a crate. Or maybe they won't, or maybe because they're doing so well in racing, they're just like, no. <laughs> We're going to keep we're going to keep this to ourselves for a while. (laughs) Yeah. But either way, I mean, that Honda engine seems to be doing just fine in racing, too. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really Um, good. I was also thinking that. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I was also thinking an option for the SUV side could be, which they also still sell the venerable three and a half liter EcoBoost, which has been in but it's been around for, I mean, it's gotta be what, 10 years now. Yeah. Just about Yeah, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I like a six cylinder and I think that might, especially if you do like a, if there were to be a luxury edition of the SUV, I really think you would have to do a six cylinder in that because as you know, the more cylinders you have, the more wealth you have. Right. Cylinders are directly tied to wealth, um, wealth and comfort. Yes. Yes, they are one wealth. I I would go with eight wealths. Why not? <laughs> eight, eight wealths. I I thought about that, but if you're in a compact body, you would have to do some pretty intense uh, transverse trickery to get something like. Well, maybe you could do an LS. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure Bozy would know, but you might be able to do a small block V8. Cram the. Cram the 4.2 liter Audi V8 in there. They got it in an S4. Oh my That's god, they true. did. Now there's, I mean, you there's have to take the engine and change the spark plugs. <laughs> See, that's what I would want to avoid. I would want to do. I would want to keep it somewhat reasonable. I mean, the, the four cylinder is probably a good place to start, and I do think the EcoBoost is probably the next logical step. Um, also, there is some. There is something to be said in terms of a branding or advertising thing that it's the engine out of the Ford Raptor. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, racing, but trucks. Uh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's our basic setup. We have the chassis from China. We have the Honda engine. We have the ZF transmission. And that would be the launch setup. So it would be, you know, one engine to start um, with the one transmission. But the next thing, uh, so obviously petrol only engines, but a future plan would be to use something. And I can't believe this is already out there, but um, I think uh, sometime in maybe the summer or early fall of last year, I mentioned how Borg Warner bought an electric car racing company and an electric car transmission company. And they quickly merged them together. And Borg Warner right now has a series, a full array of hybrid parts that are absolutely 100% bolt in ready. Everything from the batteries to the, I mean, they have every piece if you want, or you can bring your own batteries, blah, blah, blah. But uh, the HVH series is the one I was looking for. It's a hybrid motor that would, I mean, I don't know realistically how drop in it is. That's definitely how they advertise it. That would be my goal to go something to go with something along that line to make hybrids out of these cars with the DCT to kind of prove the concept. 
Okay. Because it's definitely possible. And from everything that I've found in research, it could be done right now. We know brands are bringing it up, but they're not using the off-the-shelf parts. That's kind of the difference. That That's kind of the disconnect between you know, someone like VW who has obviously a working relationship with people like Borg Warner and these big companies that are off the shelf parts available, but they don't want to do that. They want to build their own, which is what they should do. But I think looking at the marketplace, it, it would be possible for them to be manual or DCT hybrid performance cars right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't why not? Because we've already had hybrid manual cars it's just making them right. performance cars. That's the only difference. So, exactly. Um, all right. So that those would be the cars. But I didn't stop there. I also thought, uh oh, what would I want this to do? What where would I want this to go? What's the target? Who and who would help you get there? So my thought is, and and I'm surprised we haven't seen this this yet. I'm sure we will. It seems like no one in motorsport is really talking about how Hyundai went from releasing the rally uh, Veloster, the rally spec Veloster, whatever they called it, which is a joke, like six years ago, to winning TCR in a very short amount of time. But they did it by starting with very small races. They started with... Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially like slalom events. They brought they brought the Veloster Rally Edition to the, the like local SCCA events. And then they jumped into rally and then they started doing independent teams. You know what I mean? Like they built themselves into racing. And I would love Correct. to be able to do the same thing with this brand. So launch it and set a target for a TCR entry date in the next rule set, whatever that looks like whatever that might be, get your cars ready to be homologated into TCR because it works, especially if you win. It does work. Um, the one issue um, to that plan, not to be negative Nancy here, is TCR is front-wheel drive. Like that's a rule. So if you have to so – you're, you're making an all-wheel drive car, correct? Yes, that is true. But so I mean, you yeah, can make a front-wheel drive version of it, right. right? You can race spec them. I mean, look at the Audis. Yeah, I was going to say the Audis as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like, you can make a front-wheel drive version of it. That's fine. But just one word of caution. But it's a great idea. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing. Along, I mean, you, I think you. I don't know if you're required to, but I think most people use a different transmission, like the X Track is I think the the most common transmission there. Like, I don't think a lot of people are racing ZFs because they're heavy. But yeah, yes. I mean, that, I think that's, I think that's a decently realistic target for a company starting with off the shelf parts and wanting to kind of merge into a mainstream. I'm just, I'm so staggered at the success of Hyundai in starting at a joke and ending with a championship in a very short amount of time. Right. No, and they did it the right way. They focused on – they didn't try to bite off more than they could chew right off the bat. Like we're going to master one thing. We're going to get to a place where we're comfortable. We're going to take what we learned and we're going to apply it to the next step. 
So like, yeah, you can take yours and you can start auto crossing it. If you want to market it, you can probably try to find, look up SCCA's website and find like the point standings, the national point standings for autocross and reach out to those guys who are finishing in the top five and like, Hey, do you want to help me develop this car? And now you have like a quote unquote influencer who's in that space and like it gets you a little cred, you know, like you can do a, do it a bunch of different ways. And that's something that there's always been like, even, you know, that's what the big famous movie recently was about. I and mean, that's what Carol Shelby did was make race cars using other people's cars. And they're like, Hey, you should make one for us. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I would also take one other thing from Hyundai and that is a person. Uh, Elizabeth Curran <laughs> is the name of Hyundai's. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Yoink! <laughs> yeah, kidnapping is well, illegal. That is, uh, <laughs> well, that is a Hyundai tactic. You find the good people and then you pay them more. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Curran is the name of Hyundai's senior interior design manager. Uh, she's just been featured in a few articles uh, that I happen to see on Twitter, but she's actually a really good person to highlight. So Elizabeth Curran, C-U-R-A-N, everyone look her up. Um, she is basically responsible for everything that's been good in Hyundai's interiors for the past couple of years. So she did the interior on the Kona, the G80, the new Veloster, the Nexo, the Santa Fe. Uh, she was uh, a key component of doing like the, um, the denim style interior on the venue like the little touches, the knurling on the knobs and the stuff in like the Genesis that kind of bumps it up in quality. She's mm-hmm. been responsible for all of that. And those tiny little things, she obviously understands the impact of doing little things right to make the visual quality jump up um, simply. And I think that's great. And she also really likes new and different materials and colors, which is obviously I'm all about that. I want different color interiors. I want interesting designs and interesting techniques done on, you know, like across the top of the dash and stuff. I want all of that. And there's just no one better right now. That's very good. I never thought to start looking up people. Never, ever, ever. (laughs) Like I said, I kind of went, I kind of went deep. Um, but it That's doesn't deep. stop there because if we're designing if we're designing the interior, we have to design the exterior. Sure. And one thing I learned is that Chris Bangle is now working for Samsung. And that made me laugh because I thought that explains the Samsung Galaxy Edge. He flame surfaced a goddamn phone and made the edge. <laughs> and that's what you get. <laughs> Yeah, right. It seems like um, a, but it, it seems like a waste of his talents. I know, I know, but it's probably a big paycheck. Oh, totally. Can't fault him for that. But here's a name that you might not know, but you should. There's a man named Ian Callum, a Scottish guy who's worked in cars for a while. He is, I don't know if he's looking for a job. But he just recently left his position at Jaguar. Would you like to know what's in his portfolio? Oh, please. He designed the XK, the XF, the F-Type and the F-Pace, 
the Nissan R390, the Escort Cosworth, and the RS200. And most critically, he designed the DB9 and the Vanquish. And his brother oh, is shit. the vice president of design at Ford. He designed maybe the, the two cars that have a legitimate shot to be the most beautiful car of all time. Blank check. Blank fucking yep. check to that man. <laughs> uh, he can even Write consult for number, five minutes. Design me a, <laughs> yep. Write your own number. Design me a I'll car. Take, <laughs> I'll take any input. Any input. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> I feel like I feel like that it's like you said, Nick, before before we actually started the podcast. The crazy thing about this is obviously we're just talking completely out of our ass, pure nonsense, pure insanity. But something about putting the bits together in your own brain makes it seem like someone could actually do this. Like we could come up with a, a deck and a business presentation and sit Elizabeth and Ian down in a room and like, it's feasible. It could happen with some investors. Like if we go to someone and say, Hey, <laughs> we've got Elizabeth Curran and Ian Callum, and this is what we're trying to do. There might be some people who buy into that. <laughs> no, seriously. Believe me. <laughs> I I wish I wish. And of course the, the one thing, I mean, Nick as a coach builder is able to offer any colors, but I, on my line, I would also like to offer as wide a range of colors as is feasible. Um, but yeah, the, the trick is you have to, you have to s- satisfy the boring people, right? So say you get five or six colors max for a startup and you got to do white, black, silver, and then you only have red. two left. I, and you have to do a red. Uh, and so you only have one color. Uh, green. It has to be dark green. I need more dark green cars. That has to be the fifth color. Dark green. Yeah, that's 100%. Well, especially if you have Ian Callum on your team, it's good. Yeah, you have to honor him with British racing green. That's right. Respect the man. With all of his work on Jaguar and Aston Martin. Yes, you need British racing green in your portfolio. Million percent. But yeah, I mean, that's that's my little slice of insanity. I uh, with, a, I, you know, I guess overall, you'd eventually want to take as much design and engineering in house as you possibly could. But it really it weirdly seems like there are bits and pieces out there. You could cobble together a pretty good or even fantastic hot hatch out of shells that out of parts that are in some sense off the shelf. And I love how you took it a step further. Like I stopped at the hot hatch. I'm going to work on this one thing and I'm going to do it really well. Um, but you said too, you took, you saw the opportunity. Hey, all we got to do is lift this a little bit. And then we can upcharge yeah. as an SUV. That's brilliant. You don't have to change Absolutely. anything else. Just, just air up the tires a little more, make it ride higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little two inch lift is a, is a world of difference. To a lot of people. <laughs> yeah definitely that's a I, that's an awesome I, idea I, and i didn't think to name anything also but i, I did you think i think i might have i didn't to. think of a name did you did you think did you spend any time thinking about like retail price and tristan this is a question for you too to um, get before you get into yours i i did actually the target would be 
somewhere in the ideally what I'd like to see is the hatchback in the. I think I would like to sell the hatchback as a loss leader to put it up against the N. So in that probably 30,000 to 35 and then upcharge okay. the SUV, but extend that range, probably 35 to 45. Sure. Yeah. See, I thought about it. I don't it a even know if that's possible. End. Yeah. I don't know either. Like, and I just realized, like looking back at my notes, I probably lowballed myself. Like, <laughs> like my initial thought. <laughs> What'd was, you like, say? My, well, my low, my, my lowest trim with the 1.6 liter um, hybrid from the Sorento. Um, I was thinking somewhere around 24, 25, and then up to low thirties for the, for the third option. I think I could probably bump five grand on each tier <laughs> and be comfortable. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, I initially really lowballed myself. I'll be like the Walmart of hot hatches, just basement prices, but sell a <laughs> zillion. <laughs> right. But that's, I mean, that's kind of where it all falls apart, right? When we're talking about the possibility, I mean, theoretically looking at the list of parts that I created, it's feasible that a car like the one I described could be sold for thirty dollars to $35,000. It's possible, especially if you're taking yes. a loss at the low end. But that doesn't take into account the engineering uh, of fitting all these parts together and that. But that's no, no, no one wants to talk about that. That's not fun. That's not funny. No, that's no not one funny. cares. Let's let Trist. No, that's not fun or funny or interesting. And Which is why I didn't do it. So Tristan, <laughs> you, you barely said anything for the last hour. Let's let you have your moment in the sun here. What What do you bring into the table? Okay, so uh, I, as you heard, I didn't care one whit about whether this was even engineeringly feasible, much less what the cost would be. Um, I'm going to kind of look at it from a like a McLaren standpoint and say, I'm going to do something. Let's figure out how. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, however, the end result will be probably the furthest thing from McLaren ever made. Um <laughs> So <laughs> you're making a boat. So, uh, well, no, cause I think they might've actually helped make one of those at some point, like everybody else. Oh, shit, you're at, right. the top, um, at, the, at the top of the funnel, Tristan has McLaren at the bottom end. It's a lot of, yep. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, so, so mine actually is, I drew inspiration from a couple things. Um, I, I for one feel that the Chevy Volt is what was criminally treated by GM um, as a fantastic idea, a, a notably superior alternative to a lot of basic hybrids. Um, and as a type of plug-in hybrid, it was unique in that it used the engine as a generator, not as a direct motive force. Um, so you could get away with a pretty significantly small engine and get relatively good gas mileage um, while still maintaining the 30, 40, 50 mile pure electric range um, that was available at the time. I think batteries have come way further than that. Um, so our baseline distance, I was hoping to get 60 to 70 miles electric out of what I'm doing. Um so that was the kind of the base design. Um, and then secondarily, I took a lot of, um, I was looking at how Porsche built the, or is building the electric Cayenne. 
Um, and the electric Cayenne does away with a lot of weirdly traditional things like starter motors um, and low voltage systems and everything else. It basically runs everything through the high voltage system that runs the battery uh, that runs the electric motors, the electric drive motors. Um, so what I was looking at is creating a, an SUV slash truck platform kind of built on those nuggets of knowledge. That, that's where I was coming from. Um, so there are going to be a couple different uh, overall body styles using hopefully the same drivetrain. Um, uh, and then the second body style will actually end up having two trim levels. Um, so the first one um, that I'm going to go with is, in my opinion, a little bit less interesting to me. It's going to be a more traditional quote-unquote full-size. It's not giant like a Suburban or even a, a Tahoe. Um, it's going to be more probably Ford Explorer, Jeep Grand Cherokee-sized. Um, and that's going to have a, you know, basically, I couldn't find a term for them. Everybody keeps calling them plug-in hybrids, but we know that's that plug-in hybrids are just Priuses that you charge at your house and get some EV miles out of them, and then they run on gas like a regular hybrid does. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to call them generator hybrids, um, uh, and that's going to be my term for it, I guess. Um, and so it's going to be this kind of you know unibody based, you know biggerish SUV. Um, and then there's going to be two forms of that: the luxury and the sport. Um, the sport will obviously have um, significantly, you know, all, all the you know cliche stuff, wider tires, lower, stiffer suspension, um, and then go as far as to attempt to um, even like do things like because it's the sport version and there's not even a pretense of taking this thing off road. Everybody just wants a fast SUV, kind of how Jeep made the SRT8 uh, Grand Cherokee. It's like it's not trail rated. It's still a Grand Cherokee, but it's the hawk. only one that's not trail um yeah. right right exactly the srt8 the trackhawk those aren't trail rated um uh so the whole thing can be a little bit lower you can even move things like the battery lower down in the unibody um and you know cross members and stuff you don't have to worry about those getting in the way of being on a road um so move the whole center of gravity lower um lower your ev range for more output to the batteries. Um, so that would probably be in the 35-ish miles, probably have it. Um, so you get more torque, higher speed out of the electric motors. Um, and then after that, the, the 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 good thing is that for the most part, when the generator is running, it's going to chop off the battery and then kick off. So even if it runs five, six, seven extra minutes to charge the batteries, you're not going to need a different engine to charge the battery all the way across the line. Um, so the, the sport version will have, um, the same engine that the rest of these will have. And I'm actually going with the, uh, one liter three cylinder, uh, EcoBoost. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, so, and that's going to be all the way through. Um, and that's going to be the kind of sporty SUV. Um, like Nick, all of these are going to be kind of bespoke because I think the costs are going to be really high. Um, so there's not going to be a standardized, you know, type of look 
here it's going to be like yeah just let me know what color it is because i gotta gotta mix up some paint anyway um so (laughs) i'll just be uh, back here in the paint booth you just let me know when you're ready (laughs) let me know what you want um so so that's the the sport one um and then there's going to be the kind of more luxury one which for whatever reason as we've seen with like the Lexus version of the Land Cruiser and the G Wagon and stuff like that. Um, there's a certain amount of when they are luxury vehicles, people also do kind of weirdly expect them to at least tell you that they would go off road, even if they're never going to take them there. Um, so that one will be, you know, higher springs, uh, narrower, taller sidewall tires. Um, the battery won't be as low. Um, uh, things like that and the output to the wheels will be less so you'll get more ev range because also everybody in a luxury suv really really likes you know being green despite buying an suv um <laughs> they like to be able to wave that flag around um so that would be the kind of luxury one again not a lot of detail there because it's going to be like okay you want napa leather you want you know the finest rich corinthian leather um you know whatever you'd like um we can build that for you um and and color wise um as well and then what i'd like to move on to is kind of where this actually all started i thought okay let's start with this because it's the first thing to pop to mind and see how we can move that drivetrain into these these other two vehicles um Actually, it's an it's an actual off roader. Okay, with full on intent of you know being taken off road almost exclusively. Um, things like uh, the Unimog pop to mind. Um, something uh, something slightly smaller um, that you know was of interest is actually. Where did my notes go? Yeah, the the Volvo C three hundred three, and all these have a couple characteristics in common. They are um, portal axle cab over design, so they have a ton of clearance. Um, that's where the engineering question comes into mind, um, and you know because you've got wheel motors, portal axles, and wheel motors. I'm not sure how that would work. My thought would maybe be. Um, you know, either some kind of, we discussed this, Andrew, I think you looked up the, you know, some companies making drop-in electric motors <laughs> um, where you can put in a regular engine bay and hook it up to a transmission, all that kind of stuff. That would be an option. Or I was looking into available electric motor technologies and not hub motors, but actually in-wheel motors um, where they're actually entirely contained within the diameter of the rim. Um, And that would be something that might do the trick. Um, And this one would be the, hopefully being an off-roader, it would be the longest pure electric range, lowest speed, um, kind of a long drawn out use of the battery. And on one end with this versus a, you know, short, powerful kick to the nuts draw (laughs) um, on the sporty, on, on the sporty version. Um, and depending on how this one would be set up, this is, I did start to look at transmissions in case it had to be a drop in situation where you're basically running an electric motor in the engine bay. Um, and I came to the conclusion of actually the eight speed automatic ZF, not the dual clutch. Um, 
uh, I think a, a, a torque converter, a torque converter um, hooked up to an electric motor might fare better <laughs> than an actual clutch hooked up to an electric motor. It might be a little bit too immediately torquey for that kind of thing. Although I did consider the dual clutch, so I was like, ah, I don't know if that'll work or not. Um, so eight-speed automatic ZF, um, really well tested in high use situations for example and like the 1500 ram in the grand cherokee um they you know when put into tow haul they, they they do their job the other benefit to that would be and this is where my research kind of fell flat is whether you really need something like a, a low range gearbox um on a electric motor or if that's something that you can change the programming of the motor um, as all that torque is available right away, um, in an electric motor, you don't need to gear it down to usually, usually to get even more torque. I, I took reference from a lot of electric Wrangler builds, um, and watching them quite literally scamper all over any kind of, you know, liquid fuel powered, Wranglers, you know, diesels, gas, whatever. I was like, okay, this would be great for an off-roader, but then it's only great in that context for like, okay, we're going to do a Jeep Jamboree. The whole trailer, the whole trail is 12 miles. Your batteries are going to run out by the time you're done and you put it on the trailer and take it home. So that was actually the genesis of kind of pulling that, that one liter three cylinder and turning it into a generator to extend your range essentially forever. Um, the goal of this one would be something that you guys love making fun of me for. Um, <laughs> overland, <laughs> overlanding, it. Slash, overlanding slash boondocking. Um, he was going to find a way to work that in. I knew it. Yep. Uh, and but, but that does bring up some... Will these come outfitted with camping gear on them? Like, are you going to have, like, a pop-up tent that sticks off the back or anything? <laughs> Potentially, yes. That would, that, would be, that would be able to be specced. Um, however, what did pop to mind is all of the uh, ways to tie in the electrical system to that. So something that I did kind of chuckle at as, like, how useful is that when we were discussing um, our configurator builds with the Defender is the... Um, that like weirdly like you pressurize it with your tap water pressure and you've got like two minutes of water like well you've got you've got an electric car um it has a giant battery inside of it and the one of the most common things used in overlanding are these big awnings that stick straight off the side of your vehicle Mm -hmm. included in this vehicle would be two of them and they are actually rollable solar panels Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so obviously, so obviously every day when you're driving, you'd be able to charge the battery and, you know, like they do even in like their Tacomas and stuff, you can always, you know, flip it on and charge the battery if you need to, if you're parked in one place long enough. But a lot of these guys also have solar setups that keep these batteries charged um, that they use. And they're using just like Optima car batteries. When you think about the available energy in a big lithium ion or lithium polymer in an electric car, then you start talking about like, okay, well, you know, I can run my fridge for two and a half weeks without having to turn the car on. And that's without solar panels, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) So that's, you know, I was like, okay, we'll get solar panels on there to top up the batteries. Ideal solution. You don't, you, you 
park for the at the end of your day if you've got like a 50 60 mile electric range you're not going that fast or that far off road you can actually potentially maintain yourself purely electric the whole trip as long as you've got you know good sun visibility or at the very least you're using a very little bit of gas um to top up your batteries every couple days or so um i think that would be something that would be beneficial for that type of thing um and then you could sell and work with this is where this is where i really delved into a lot of stuff is selling the accessories to the car i think i took a good look at some of the engineering and i feel like sound maybe you know a bit too strong of a word but i think that the engineering is is theoretically possible um to do a you know generator hybrid vehicle that can span from a true off-roader to even a, a like luxury slash sport SUV. Um, in each of those contexts, you have things that can be, that can utilize the onboard power generation. Um, most cars, you're already using so much of the engine's capacity to generate motive force <laughs> that, you know, putting a big alternator and stuff on there, you know, can you know be a big hit to fuel economy things like that um i think that might be a little bit different in this case so you could work with accessory manufacturers in you know whatever segment you're working in either like boondocking off-roading they have these incredibly efficient um refrigerators that can keep stuff frozen out in the middle of nowhere for weeks running off of a a car battery that's occasionally run when they go somewhere it's not like it needs to be plugged into mains power or anything um get one of those that can be you can be chilled and set up in your house and then has a like a docking space in the back where you can click it in and it automatically connects it to the car's power system and stuff like that um that's a my primary example obviously combined with all the requisite off-road lights, camping lights, water pump instead of the you know pressurized by the mains water thing, the Land Rover had, um, that kind of stuff. In the off-roading one, in the luxury one, you could use it to power things like um, you know full-on massage chairs, not just kind of the. I've been like <laughs> like like I've been in like luxury SUVs that have like the quote unquote massaging seats. And it's like, it's like the $20 Shiatsu pillow from, from Walgreens. Um, you know, you could really hook up a really nice massage chair. Um, you know, all sorts of, you know, computing things, networking, Wi-Fi, all hooked up to the high voltage battery system. Um, for the sporty one, I think that would be kind of like Andrew, you mentioned, you get to a point where people actually will pay you to take things out of the car. Um, and I think that that's where that one could potentially get is that you're not buying accessories. That battery is dedicated to one thing and one thing only, and that's making the car go faster. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, it opens up every, it opens up everything from, you know, you've got a built-in sound system and TV for the tailgate. You've got, you know, lights for a construction site. You've got, um, you know, you know, 110 various amperage power to power, you know, things like 
tools. Um, you could even do like, you know, a tradesman version of the off-road one where the suspension's not so high um, and you've got even an even bigger battery in it um, that can power all of your tools at a job site, um, that kind of thing. Um, I think the possibility of using your high-voltage car battery system paired with an efficient internal combustion engine can drive the car anywhere you want to go and then also have it do all sorts of stuff um and the kind of the crux of you know this whole brand is what do you do with the power that's available to you so i know you guys didn't think of names i did who knows maybe it's cheesy oh here Um, we go drum roll I just went looking, as I think other car manufacturers have done before me, for names that sound cool and do mean something, but not don't always necessarily have a personal relationship to themselves. Um, I was looking up words for power. Okay. Okay. Um, not ele- not electricity, not the beaten to death Tesla tie-in, all that stuff. Just power. And I found. The Lithuanian word for power is Galia. G-A-L-I-A. Sounds schmancy. It sounds fancy and elegant. It's got a decent ring to it. So that would be the brand name. I haven't come up with model names yet, but that would be the brand name would be Galia. That's actually pretty cool. Now, see, I think think with that name, you could just go with, with like the... A1, A2 type iteration for names. I really think you could be pretty yeah. lazy with that name because people because it sounds so fancy. I drive a Galia. <laughs> Which one? Does Shall it matter? Shall we take the Galia? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a really unique concept and a really unique idea and a very cool name. I will give you that. I really, really like that. But the one thing that's sticking in my head is how much, how like how many thousands of tons is this going to weigh? <laughs> well, the trick is going to, the, the trick is going to be when you're dealing with, instead of a V8, a battery and with most electric cars, the, you know, the weight is usually down low. Um, the off-road version is actually where I would worry about it the most um, the luxury one, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, and the sport one, you worry about it slightly, but then you look at the curb weights of like the Taycan and the Model S and you're like, yeah, okay, it's fine. <laughs> like, you know, um, that is true. Actually. You're, you know, so I, I did consider it. You'd have to consider balance, especially in the off-road version. Um, but putting all that weight down relatively low, um, compared to like where an engine is mounted in a, a Wrangler. Um, I think you may get some, I think you're going to be actually less tippy up until the point where you tip and then it's a catastrophe because you're not going to be able to get yourself flipped back over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super true. On the bright side with, on the bright side with electric, they're, you know, they're not as top heavy because like you said, all the right. weight is down low. So exactly. Um, not as typical as say a Jeep. And if you do tip yourself over and you cause and the engine happens to be running at that, you could even put in like a tip sensor that cuts the engine because it doesn't need it to be on. It's just charging the battery. Um, But even if you do, you know, you know, damage the engine, you could at least get yourself a few miles to some safer spot just on the batteries. 
but that was where I went on this. It was like, build yourself what you really, really want. And I think that's kind of what we all did. Um, yeah. And I paid no attention. I paid no attention to whether this was even feasible or not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the feasibility, but it's a really good idea. Just like a use alternate power sources, not just to get you from A to B, but to do whatever it is you need to do when you get there. Right. <laughs> like yep. that is yeah, I think a that's very, great. very unique. I think it's a fantastic concept, man. That's really cool. Well, thank you. As, as yeah, you guys heard it. before the show, I was, I was a little worried about my content. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to fly. We'll see what these guys think. But I, I was worried. I, I feel like I got in the weeds of unimportant details but we'll, we'll see here's the here, here's the ironic part like you before the mics were hot you were saying um you know my or maybe after we turn this after like in the intro you were talking about like your extreme lack of creativity i would argue that yours was the most creative um vehicle that was brought to the table yeah, I oh, there we so. go <laughs> like i used an existing shell just- like my car yeah, <laughs> my car is going to look like a Scion TC when it's done. It's just that the innards is changed. It's not that creative. Well, mine's going to look like a Volvo or a Grand Cherokee. So, I mean. But that's not too I've bad. I've been going back. I know I, I, I I'm impressed with every with both you guys like you. Oh, thanks. This, this was a really cool exercise because. Like we came from like completely different places. Andrew and I, you and you and I were pretty close with the hatch thing, but you took it a different direction. Tristan was deep thoughts, you know, delivered as promised all day, but like way out of left field, but, (laughs) but all in all, like they were, I would be stoked to see actual press releases on all of these. And hopefully our listeners would be too. (laughs) Yeah. Nick. Nick, you're the you're the marketing guy. Whip up some whip up some literature for us. Should that instead of because yeah. we don't have a lot of photos to go with this because they don't exist. Like, should I whip up press releases for Facebook instead of, <laughs> instead oh my of God. photos? <laughs> That'd be so good. That'd be so great. I, I mean, we have extra time now that we're home all the time. Um, I'll see what I can do. Um, I just want to go. I was thinking more on names and for. I don't have a brand name for mine yet, but um, in an ode to Ferrari using numbers to name their cars, Tristan, you're going to hate this. <laughs> I was thinking of like, <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of like a number to name the vehicle itself? And then with letters on the trim. So like, for instance, I'm just going to use, because it has like a somewhat decent ring to it. I'm just going to use um, my area code just for right now. So like, so you start off like the low end one, like would be the two, six, two S for like two, six, two standard. And then the middle one would be two, six, two R for race. And then the top one would be two, six, two T for track or something like that. Okay. I mean, it's obviously that would obviously work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty tried and true formula. Right. As long as you don't change. As long, yeah, as long as you don't change it 30 seconds later. So if you do that, then you're in Cadillac territory. Yeah, right. I'm not going to no, yeah. That's going to be it. 
<laughs> that would be when it. they came out with the XTS. <laughs> it, it wasn't actually the letter X; it was just a variable. <laughs> right, exactly. Who knew? <laughs> Who knows what this letter is going to be? So that'd be my initial thought for mine, at with like thirty seconds of thought. But no, that's awesome, I just, guys. I know that, and I know that I need like full word names. I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about this even after this episode. We can. I, there's got to be something. We can follow up. Uh, <laughs> we can follow up like next next episode andrew naming update yeah exactly yeah do that have you made me, have you made me I'll find something. i will i will guys that was that was a really really cool bit of content i'm super excited to get this out to people um, anything else to tie this together before we uh before we wrap up and get the people out of here i don't think so i mean i i just wish that it was I wish that it was more realistic than it actually is because it feels so close. It's so and real you know me, in man. your head. <laughs> That's what you know in your head. Just like I talked about before. It's like once you start considering like you have to pay people and they uh, have space. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You gotta hire a It's just, uh, <laughs> well, finance. I don't know. I think, Exactly. I think that uh, when someone from Rivian hears this, they're going to steal all of Tristan's ideas. I worry about things like that on this podcast all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is even, the episode. Even, this even is if, when it's actually going to happen. Even if not just for me, yeah. Even if not just for me, for all of us, like we come up with some pretty good ideas, and I'm worried that they're just going to be taken from us someday. Um. Yeah, they will be. Well, Don't I, worry. I, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to answer this two ways. There's two angles we can take here. One, not enough people listen to this listen to us yet to be worried about it. Or two, if I do come out with press releases, legally that could be like date of first use if we want to apply for a trademark. There we oh, go. Oh, hey. He's <laughs> look at this guy. Look at this guy. Huh? <laughs> we got a thinker over here. I'm going to go with option but I'm going to go with option one and say not enough people are listening yet for us to be really worried about it. And now What's he's still? a pessimist. What's still? Yeah. What the hell? Awesome. Um, but Hey, anyone listening out there, we want to know what your coach builds would be, right? We appreciate you sticking with us. We appreciate you listening. We don't want you just to listen. We want you to interact. We want you to participate. So what would your coach builds be if you had a blank slate? What what was your dream independent craft car that you would want to build? So let us know. We mentioned already how to find us online, um, emails and socials and all that kind of stuff. Also, we want to mention, be sure to leave us a review if you get a chance, preferably a good one. We'd appreciate that. Or Wherever you're tuning in, wherever you're listening from, hit that subscribe button for us. It's not going to cost anything. You're just going to get notified whenever we put out any new content. And like I mentioned last week, we're all stuck at home. You've got more time. What harm is there in this? Just hit that subscribe button for us. We really appreciate it. If you're really into what we're doing and you'd like to support us uh, monetarily, thank you in advance, number one. You have two options to do that. You can go to patreon.com slash check engine podcast or on our homepage at anchor.fm slash check engine podcast. There's a support button you can hit there to make a donation or a pledge. 
Every cent that's pledged is put towards making this podcast a better experience for you, the listener. None of it goes back into our pockets. We're not doing this to make money. We're doing it because it's fun and we want to make this better for you. So again, thank you in advance for that if you choose to do so. Before we sign off, Tristan and Andrew, who or what are we sending thank you shout outs to? Oh man, I totally forgot to think of something. Hold on. Do me last. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll do mine. So I would like to thank the mindless wanderings of my own brain, uh, trying desperately (laughs) to avoid, (laughs) trying desperately to avoid thinking about anything that's on the news or how many, way many more cool fish Jessica has caught on Animal Crossing than I have. Okay. Oh, see. <laughs> um <laughs> okay. I would like to thank um filmmakers. Um uh, people who are really good at making really creative things like that or any content creators, really podcasters, um TikTokers, um spending all Don't this time them. in No, really. There's some I mean Anything to get our minds off of what's going on and what this, as we mentioned, as you call it, Andrew, like the new normal is. Um, I've had more time to dive into more movies and series, and um, I haven't subscribed to a lot of these socials, but just looking over Claire's shoulder as she's tuning into some of these. Some of them are actually really entertaining um, on all these social pages. So thank you to all the creatives out there who are making this time at home just a more entertaining place to be. Andrew, have you have you thought of a thank you? I did. I did think of something. I'm just going to take the easy way out and and thank my wife because um you know as we're talking about like new normal um it's all you always worry or at least I always worry that the things that you're doing to keep yourself entertained and sane are just going to annoy the shit out of the other person or in my case the only other person in the house so like playing guitar <laughs> yeah. or recording a podcast or playing video games and like buttons clicking and mice clicking even working video conferences you just like that is something that's constantly in the back of my mind and i she has not gotten annoyed so i mean bless her yeah well, bless all, all... And others that live with us it's the, on my end too it's kind of like we take time to ourselves like we'll just take an hour and go in separate rooms <laughs> oh for sure just to we kind of do that kind of stuff yeah so um but no I'm, I'm right there with you man that's a, that's a good thank you awesome so thank you to wives and significant others and as always thank you the listeners for your continued support we love hearing from you we love recording this little podcast for you and uh, we can't wait to speak to you again But until then, stay safe, stay sane, stay sanitized, stay away from one another, (laughs) and uh, take, (laughs) take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you soon.